Edgar Wright is one of the most dynamic, exciting filmmakers working in the industry, and he has been for a number of years now. And he is our guest today on the No Film School podcast to talk about his new film, The Sparks Brothers, which is a documentary about one of the most creatively interesting musical acts, bands, ever. If you don't know about The Sparks Brothers, you're about to learn a lot. If you don't know about Edgar Wright, which I'm sure you do, you're about to learn even more. He's a great storyteller. He and the Sparks Brothers are all on this interview talking about inspiration, music, the documentary, their lives, how they became friends. It's all really good. Please enjoy. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I am thrilled to have all three of you here. This is very exciting. I loved the movie. I love the music. I love Edgar's films. <laughs> so it's really exciting. The first thing I want to want to ask, I feel like we could talk I could talk forever about this, but I want to ask all three of you, how did the decision to do this documentary come about? from each of your perspectives or, or what was the genesis of it? And maybe we'll just start with Edgar and then go to Russell and Ron. Well, I, um, I had first met Ron and Russell in 2015 and having been a lifelong fan, and I, I would say like a fan with a, gro- a growing obsession is <laughs> <was> definitely going <laughs> up instead of the other way, which is always good. So I think I became more and more of a fan with every passing year. And around 2015, during one of my um, frequent bouts of... Uh, extolling the virtues of sparks to my friends. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was actually in Los Angeles and I was, I was when I was writing on Baby Driver and I was telling my screenwriter friend uh, about sparks and he only knew one song. So I immediately started playing him some of my favorite sparks albums. And whilst we Which were one did the, he know? Um, the one? The, well, weirdly, the only song that he knew was from In Outer Space, All I Ever Think About Is Sex, <laughs> where that was the only spark <laughs> song that he knew. So I played him like Kimono My House and Number One in Heaven and Little Beethoven. And during this marathon of Sparks, I said, I just thought aloud, oh, I wonder if Sparks are on Twitter. And uh, to my shock and delight, it said, Sparks follows you, which was like, whoa. (laughs) And and, and after like, I mean, like it's different now, but before meeting Ron and Russell, like a lot of rock stars, you sort of imagine they don't actually exist on planet Earth. So... Then I, I immediately direct messaged the account and said, is this actually Sparks? I'm such a huge fan. And Russell replied and said, yes, this is Russell. And I said, oh, you know, like, I was surprised that you answer your own Twitter account. And he goes, yeah, we do. And, uh, and, then, it tra- <laughs> and then it transpired that they only were 20 minutes drive away from me at that exact moment. So I very quickly arranged to have breakfast with them. And I had breakfast at, with Ron and Russell at Russell's house. And... And then, like so I guess we, we kept in touch through that time, and I, I saw them live with uh, the FFS tour. And then, and then when I had finished doing Baby Driver, uh, they had done Hippopotamus. I saw them live in LA, I think October t- 2017. And again, I was doing my usual thing of extolling the virtues of Sparks in the balcony of the gig with my friend and fellow Sparks fan, the director, Phil Lord. And I was... This had now become like a routine that I'd sort of said it aloud. So I'm kind of like manifesting this documentary without actually, you know, saying so myself. But I said to Phil, so you, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I said, I, I said to Phil whilst I was whilst the show was about to start, 
as I was looking out in the kind of the, the crowd, which were very diverse in age, which I thought was interesting in itself, I said, somebody's got to make a documentary about these guys. I feel like a documentary is the one thing that's stopping them from being as big as they should be, you know, because they're the best and most influential band to not have a documentary about them. And Phil Lord quite simply said, you should make that movie. And I said, <laughs> okay, I will. And then <laughs> after the gig, I said to Ronald Russell, I want to talk to you about something tomorrow. And now I can hand over to Russell. <laughs> <laughs> and we were, uh, we were shocked to say that sh- pleasantly shocked, pleasantly surprised that, uh, that Edgar, uh, you know, had thought enough about sparks to want to do a documentary about them because we were likewise, we were big Edgar Wright fans as well. And, you know, really loved all of his films. And so, you know, doing a documentary wasn't really, wasn't really on our, our radar at the time. And we had had a couple of, you know, proposals that didn't were kind of like half, you know, half-assed proposals to do, documentaries in the past, but it was never with someone that we thought, you know, we could entrust our, our life's work to kind of represent in a visual way. So we'd always passed on those things. And when Edgar had proposed this idea, we thought, wow, this is pretty amazing because we, we, you know, we think there's some kind of kinship between what Edgar does, his sensibility as a filmmaker and what Sparks does via our music and and we thought well if there is anybody that can that we could entrust with this 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 idea it would be you know edgar would be you know number one on the list and so so we we gladly said yes and you know and all the while we we were really hoping that it would look like you know obviously when you're first starting you have no idea kind of the the slant or anything of of how the documentary would be but we were kind of just in a general way hoping this would be an Edgar Wright film you know that hit, we would have his stamp on it that it wouldn't be uh Edgar Wright does really good you know <laughs> narrative movies now when he goes to documentaries it turns into a you know a boring uh you know dry film that has none of uh Edgar's stamp on it but 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 uh well Three years later, seeing the results of it, we, you know, all of that, all of those uh, initial concerns were obviously squelched because it it looks happily like a, an Edgar Wright film. And uh, yeah, it's such a good point. I want to I want to go back quick. I want to comment, but I want to go back to the tweet, uh, the the DMs and the Twitter <laughs> and the Twitter contact in that moment, and then I want to get Ron's takes. But I do want to say it is amazing. You know, great rock documentaries or like there's there's many of them the the marriage vi- between the visuals the spirit of the artistry of the Edgar Wright filmmaking style and your the sort of cinematic quality of of your music is I, I, this is a long doc it goes by very quickly it's so energetic i don't i want to know from all parties like how did you how did you approach this consciously to get there because it it is very aligned the sensibility seemed aligned and the energy is so fun it's not like 
dry the way you described your fear that it would not be an Edgar Wright movie, that it would just be like kind of a documentary. But but I also just, I want to ask real quick, like, what was it? Was it surprising when you got the Twitter response from Edgar Wright because you were following him and a fan of his work? What was that moment like? Oh, yeah. We were knowing that that Edgar even knew about our band, you know, you know, cause you know, it's kind of sometimes might sound dumb, but it's, you know, a lonely existence sort of, uh, when you, you kind of are kind of insular in how you work and, and, and you don't really know who is out there in the, in the real world. And then so to, to, to learn that Edgar Wright has even heard of your band is, you know, it was, it was something that we were both like, wow. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Considering the influence you've had on so many, you're very humble. <laughs> but, hey, listen, but, uh, um, it, I, if, it, if it doesn't embarrass both parties, I, whilst we're on, on the phone here, I, uh, I found the original direct messages on Twitter. <laughs> Please do. I can Please read it share. out. Do, Russell, do you want me to read out the conversation? Because it's exactly- <laughs> If it's not embarrassing. No, I think it's, listen, if it's, <laughs> if it's embarrassing, it's embarrassing Ed, for me. Edgar who? this is this is my first this is my first direct message july 28 2015 it says i love the ffs album three exclamation marks have been listening to piss off on repeat and then you reply russell edgar ron and i are huge fans of your work so we're thrilled that you even know of sparks existence would love to talk here's my email i won't read that bit out russell and then I reply, I was literally listening to all of your albums whilst I wrote with my co-writer last night. We fueled a light night session by drinking coffee and listening to number one in heaven. I am a huge fan. Then I looked to find you guys on Twitter and saw you were following me. Exclamation. <laughs> uh, Love you both. A- and then, P.S., this, you'll like this one. I nearly used This Town Ain't Big Enough for the both of us of Hot Fuzz. And, and uh, often I really wished I still I had. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and then later it says like, are you in it? Are you, I'm in LA too. Hey, amazing. We're here through Friday. Want to meet for coffee? Uh, yeah. like I, later in the week who work, where do you live? Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, very cool. What, why didn't you use it in hot fuzz? What happened? Was there, you know what? There's a good, there's a good reason for this. And I can say this is a reason why not that many spark songs are in movies. And it's a good, it's a good reason to have. It's a champagne. Problem. I've wondered that myself, especially you know after what? watching the doc. I'll so say this, like sparks songs are not wallpaper, like songs that kind of w- sometimes work uh, really well. Like spark songs demand your attention. And I remember mm. when I tried to use this town, big enough for the both of us and hot fuzz, it worked really well at the start. And then as the song got more involved, you couldn't help listening to the song instead of what was happening on screen. So what I mean is if that has been a reason that Spark songs haven't always been used as much as maybe some other bands, I think it's because it's impossible to not give Sparks your full concentration. I don't, I don't see I, the problem. <laughs> hey, you still on, you still on that sweet sink money, Ron? Don't you? <laughs> I, you know what though? It's it's an. I was listening to the music, wondering myself, and then I did think in watching the film. Like I said, the music is so cinematic in its own way that I that that makes total sense to me. It it is its own focal point in a well, way. It's interesting. Um, it's interesting. When I edited the, you know, there were like several people as I was editing over the lockdown that I'd done various edits of the movie. And weirdly enough to keep bringing up Phil Lord, he doesn't get paid every time I mention him, I promise. But I showed it to him <laughs> and, and, and uh, he did, uh, he watched it and he said, I love it. He said, if I had one comment, it's like, 
could you open up some of the song bits so you can hear it a bit, hear the songs a bit more? And what's funny is I'd done the exact opposite to sort of try and tighten up the running time. And I was like, you know what? He's absolutely right. I'd done this before. It's like, you need to hear the songs. And I think one thing is because the documentary is both a celebration for fans, but an introduction for newbies. Like you do not, we've stressed for a lot of people that you do not need to know anything about Sparks before watching it. But unlike some other documentaries, not mentioning any, any names, there's a lot of music documentaries that just presume you know all the songs. And with the Beatles mm. or the Rolling Stones, yes, you can do that. You don't have to do a Beatles documentary and stop to say that the name of the song is Penny Lane. It's kind of obvious. <laughs> but with, with Sparks, I think you need to hear it because you need to hear the evolution. So it was something that was a very conscious effort is that in a similar way that you maybe on a, why I didn't use hot fuzz, uh, this down in hot fuzz is in this is like, I need to hear the songs a little bit. So you get kind of a good taste of everything so that people come out with like, and what's really interesting is having shown it to people, they all come out with different earworms. They come out with different things mm. saying like, Hey, I love my baby's taking me home. Oh, I'd never heard music that you can dance to before, you know? So that's always interesting to me. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If it sounds like the the speech you've given many times where you're talking about how great the band is and how great the music is, did that sort of make its way into the structure of what this documentary is? Did that become, did it morph into the documentary, the one that you repeated and that you were giving to Phil Lord on the balcony? I think it was something where, like, I guess it turned into the idea of doing an oral history because obviously, you know, it's unusual to do a documentary about a band who are have been going as long as Sparks and have not just like Ron and Russell talking about it, but I mean, I, I guess it didn't occur to me until later that it was actually quite an unusual thing to have like both of you on screen at the same time. For instance, if you're making an Oasis documentary, you wouldn't be shooting Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher in a two shot. <laughs> in fact, you probably wouldn't be able to get them in the same building at the same time, you know? So so that was an interesting thing. And I think sort of it became very quickly clear to me that I wanted to make an oral history by talking to Ron and Russell and then to have extra commentary from friends and colleagues and people that they've inspired. People who have loved Sparks, who then have been inspired to make art in lots of different walks of life. And so, and also yeah. because, I, I, and I'll say this in front of them. Ron and Russell are, are very modest. And so there are things that they won't say about themselves that you have to bring in an A-list ringer to say it for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly. No, I can tell. <laughs> and to that, I want to ask Ron and Russell, like 
Russell, you commented on how Edgar Edgar's proposal to do this struck a chord because of what you see in in Edgar's movies. Uh, can you talk a little more, both of you, about where it is that you feel artistically the sensibilities align and how that, like, what it is about? Like, to me, from the outside, I would say it's sort of, he he definitely colors outside the lines. He blends genre. There's humor and playfulness. And, and I see that in all of your work. But I'm very curious how you guys see it and what about him as a filmmaker and what about the proposal was appealing. Well, one thing is just the basic kinetic nature i think of of both what edgar does and what we do that 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 kind of a mellow approach and kind of a more reflective re- approach is kind of the uh, antithesis of, of what each of us are doing in in our different fields so i think there there was a kinship on you know just on on that level and then and then also the use of humor uh Humor is a hard thing to speak about, especially, I think, in terms of, well, in in film as well, because, you know, comedies are very seldom award winners, you know, and, and I think that's it, that, that, I mean, is a tragedy. And, and so, because so many of the times a comedy can be, have the exact kind of depth that, that a drama is, it's just that it, it seems to me as an outsider, I'm not a filmmaker, that that kind of, oh, that's a great performance is kind of easier to convey in something that's super serious. And so, we, you know, we we have similar experiences because there is humor in what we're doing, in particular in a lyrical sense, and that sometimes people view the band as being frivolous, that they only see the humor and not kind of a another side that might have some more pathos. So, so I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't want to speak for, for Edgar, but I just think that, you know, we share just a kind of a, from my point of view, just a really kinetic nature and that, and that also humor is there, but used in a way that kind of is, is doubled by, by another level. Yeah, I don't think any of the the the, the films like the uh, the three uh, Cornetto films. You know, I, they're not they're they have they're they have fun you know f- fun elements, but they're but they're also uh, scary. They're 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 it's not a like a joke. You know, they're they're serious. The tone in a is a serious tone, and 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 also that the whole world like. Uh, like Edgar's creates like a universe within those films, those little, the little towns in, in England, you know, where they, all of these, you know, the, uh, zombies, uh, you know, uh, uh, overriding a, a pub and stuff like it's, it's this like kind of a claustrophobic little world. You kind of don't see the, a lot of the outside world, you know, everything is kind of really compressed into this, a tiny little world that he's created. And sometimes I, I there's some kind of, similarity with some of the lyrics of sparks and some of the songs where Ron's created sort of a little, a little universe that's kind of shut off from the outside. And you don't know what's on the outside of this thing, this world, you just see kind of this little microscopic world where there's so much detail going on within it. And I don't know, there's, it's a, seems like there's some kind of 
connection there too with Edgar. And I think also just the idea that maybe sometimes a little thing can be made into a big thing that, you know, that's, that's something I think that we try to do. We're just a very, a very detailed incident or, or moment uh, can, can have some kind of bigger, bigger meaning. I, I got to totally agree there. I was going to say there's a couple of things there is that there's a few things is that I think it's a, it's a similar thing to the way you approach songs, I think is a similar way to the way that I approach at least my comedy movies in the sense that like I'm doing it in a very affectionate, sincere way. Like it's not like a spoof in terms of like, you're not making fun of the, f- I'm not making mm. fun of the genre because I hate it. Like sometimes you get <laughs> films where, there's a sort of misanthropy about it because they just like, they're just raising everything to the ground because they think it's silly. But I make those movies because I, I love it. And I think in a, in a similar way, you know, that you guys like sort of love writing pop songs, but that doesn't mean that you can't have fun with the format, but it's wrong to think that because something is humorous, that it's insincere. And I think you touch on something, Ron, in the film where you talk about Jean-Luc Godard briefly. And to me, that sums up Sparks. You say that you love Jean-Luc Godard because he makes films, but also manages to comment on making films at the same time. And I think that's Mm. similar to the way that you write music. And I think it's similar to the way that I make some of my films. Yeah, that's well said. I I was going to say, it sounds like there's the the groundedness, but also like some humanity, for lack of a better word, underpinning the comedy. But when you say love the genre or the characters or there does feels like that's part of it, it's coming from that place. Does that when you write, for example, before you before the infamous Twitter DMs, when you were <laughs> listening to the music and you were writing, can you tell us about the nature of the music as an ins- source of inspiration when you're writing, for example, you know, informing you, even before you're making a documentary about it, it's it's becoming a part of your process. Yeah, I mean, I listen to music a lot when I'm writing. I don't like have like um, synesthesia in the sense of like that I see colors, like Pharrell Williams has, you know, synesthesia where he says, mm-hmm. he, you know, he has visions. But I do have like a synesthesia in the sense of the, uh, like music conjures up images that's pretty much how i wrote baby driver and you know in in the case of sparks it more becomes a thing about like a tone there's like a tone in the kind of like the songwriting and the and the style of the music and and actually ron what you just said before about the idea of taking something small and making it operatic i i definitely feel that i i mean that feels like a sort of big part of what i've done in my comedy films Or, or even back to spaced the whole premise of that show was like everyday things blown up to be like the biggest thing in the world. You know, it's like you're watching. And and I think that's kind of very similar to what you do is that you, you know, like, like something like little Beethoven or hello young lovers feels like little bits of observational comedy, like done as like full on opera, <laughs> you know? And, and I, so I, I, so it, you know, like, I think like that, that's the thing where I, uh, I, I, I've probably been listening to a lot of Sparks figure out which song I could use in a movie at some point. And I think <laughs> when you've listened to, usually when you listen to, when I write, you can't listen to music with lyrics unless you've heard the song like 300 times. Right. Like I mm. definitely can't listen to new music with lyrics whilst I'm writing because I'll get distracted. 
But if it's instrumentals or score, or if it's a song, like a lot of Spark songs that I've heard hundreds of times, I'm perfectly comfortable sitting, writing away to like number one in heaven. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm also curious, like as sort of as a follow-up to that, once you're you're in the process of making the documentary and gathering it, and there were many years you guys were putting this together, what was the collaboration between the three of you on, you know, this is how we're gonna structure it, this is what we're gonna keep. Also, partly because like, you know, diving into who Ron and Russell are as people, their background, like some of their mystique, I, I will I would say about you guys, your and and who and what the act and the act. You know, like, did what were their conversations about? Here's what we want to do. Here's what we don't want to do. I mean, I think one thing that was kind of the final selling point was that Edgar wanted the documentary to be comprehensive. That that all periods, you know, we have a lot of periods, would be treated equally. That that what we were doing now would be would be treated with the same respect as as things that we did back in the 70s and that that was really important to us but you know as far as like the style of the documentary and you know the people assembled and all that i mean that that was all that was all on edgar it was just that i mean our contribution was just at the point where we just said we have faith in your vision for what this is going to be and and you know that that's something we never had with anybody else that 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 approached us, but, you know, those things, it wasn't that the three of us, you know, sat down in a, in a room and had a conference about, you know, so many different things. I mean, it is, it's an Edgar Wright film. And I think whenever you're, you know, we've learned this also just from the movie musical. I mean, there's this, there's a certain kind of sacrifice of, of your creative dictatorship, which we kind of maintain in all of our albums when you're working with a director it isn't like a evil dictator, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a dictator who knows what he's doing. And so at that point where you, the, the moment of trust, you know, we, you just say, you know, do, do what you do. Obviously Edgar asked a lot of questions and, you know, and we wanted to, to be as open as we could about that. And I, you know, I think one, there is one key thing that maybe isn't directly related to this, but just Edgar, Edgar did all the interviews uh, both with, with us and but with all of the people in in the film and i think that that the fact that he did them was such a such a key thing because aside from just the just that he's so informed about the subject matter he he was able to make people both relax and kind of reveal things in ways that aren't that aren't kind of just the textbook kind of ways of of speaking in in music documentaries and i i it, that was just really refreshing. Can you tell us how you did that, Edgar? <laughs> I, I guess like not having ever done a documentary before or even having been like a professional interviewer, I could only really approach it in like a, in 
the only way I knew how is to sort of like to just like treat it like I was talking to a fellow Sparks fan or with people who were in Sparks asking just the questions that I wanted to. But I think probably because it's coming from a point of sincerity and enthusiasm on my part that people kind of let their guard down in a way that like I'm not like trying to not doing like a Nick Broomfield thing where I'm trying to catch them out or anything. I'm just sort of wanting them to tell it from their point of view and asking, you know, questions about things that they may not have thought about. And, and so I think that was something that like, it was, uh, you know, sometimes it's kind of like nerve wracking to interview somebody who's very prolific in their own rights. Or it's, I guess it's like amusing to interview somebody who's extremely prolific in their own rights, but to only ask them about spots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that definitely was like amusing to me on several occasions. But, but I think that's why also the thing is I didn't have to twist anybody's arm to do it. That was another thing that I think was really sweet. It's that like, as long as we were in the city at the right time, you know, like, yes, Mike Myers would like to come and talk about Sparks. And yes, like, so Vince Clark would like to come and talk about Sparks. And yes, Joanne Duran would like to come and talk about Sparks. And, and that side of it was just really sweet. And I think, I think even sometimes interviewees who kind of like, maybe even sort of sometimes got those last minute nerves saying, oh, uh, do I have enough to say? Like, would actually then surprise themselves that once they started talking about it, they could actually wax lyrical. And it, it, it was really, it was really nice because it felt like an exploratory conversation in itself. They're not like pat answers because some of these people have never talked about it on camera. And so that was nice. Cause I'm sure like with, you know, like if you're one of the Beatles, you've sort of done a hundred versions of this, of an interview like this in your career. But some of these people have never talked about their time in Sparks or bands that have never talked about their love of Sparks other than like, you know, like late night listening to records. <laughs> it was like a chance to open the floodgates on that passion and interest and share it. And the sharing, I think, is contagious. Yes. I, I feel like I want to ask before we run out of time from all three of you, so much of it feels like there's a lot of influence, artistic influence that the Sparks Sparks had on you, Edgar, likewise, and then talking to a lot of these subjects in the, in, in the doc about the influence it has. But I want to know from Russell and Ron, like in terms of the influences, the things that inspire you as artists, what are the what are the heavy influences on you and or were of any era and any format? Because I know filmmaking was of interest to you at one time. And I also want to ask Edgar, like as a filmmaker, I'm sure there are countless influences you could talk about, but also as like approaching music documentary, what influences particularly did you find inspiring? Well, early, I mean, early on, we, you know, I think we touch on it in, in the documentary, but we were, you know, we were Anglophiles and we really loved bands coming from the UK that seemed to have a completely different sensibility than the sensibility of music in Los Angeles. You know, there's the whole Laurel Canyon scene, which was kind of just the complete antithesis sort of of what we really enjoyed, enjoy about pop music. And so, so that always kind of informed our our early uh, dealings with music that we, you know, the British bands seemed to, they liked fashion too. You know, they, they, they dressed up, they came here, they wore clothes that nobody wore here. And, you know, you look at Jimi Hendrix, even now three guys have their, their hair all teased up into afros and two of them being 
white guys that shouldn't have afros really, but doing it as a stylistic, uh, you know, it was, it was obviously discussed. There was a band meeting. Hey, you guys get tease your hair up too. And I mean, just all those, those things where they seem so unimportant. I mean, obviously the music was the most important in those, those bands and their sensibility of the, the writing, the, the lyrics and everything of people like the early who and the early kinks. But so there was kind of a, like everything seemed important to them. The album cover artwork seemed important. The, the, the fashion sense and the, the lyrical scent slant, and then just the, the musical slant. So anyway, from an early, early, you know, early on, we were always kind of had our eyes to the UK and then, then, you know, we finally got the chance to actually be a UK band. Uh, and that was like the <laughs> ultimate, ultimate are, dream yeah. come true. <laughs> right. And, and also linked to that, you know, just from the film, from the film world, I mean, we, there was, it was automatically assumed that at, at least when we were going to university, that if, if you liked those cool bands, you also went to see the new Truffaut or Godard or Ingmar Bergman or yeah. Misoguchi yeah. or, you know, it, it that was all part of like sort of an artistic coolness. And, and, you know, uh, it might not have a direct influence on what we've done, but just the idea that there, that everything, it, it can still be cool and also have that artistic edge to it. It doesn't have to just be commercial or artistic that things can be one one thing yeah i i think sort of in a similar way it was interesting like talking to ron and russell about their influences and like early on i got probably like what is the kind of the uh the you know the kind of the the the, the secret source where i asked for russell early on this is something i will not share but i said hey if you would you be able to put together a playlist of what you were listening to pre-Sparks? And you gave me like a list of 80 songs, which I listened to. And some of it like made a lot of sense and other ones were like real curveballs. And it was like, but <laughs> it is that thing. I guess it's a similar thing in terms of like, if I have a discernible style in movies, it is the amalgam of everything I watched growing up. And some of it is kind of conscious and some of it is just by osmosis. I mean, that's how people former styles yeah. that they you know you they see something you like you try and copy it you can't do it the same but maybe something else emerges and and i think that's the thing is like even though like you could see the sort of like the dna of like the bands that you liked in the lead up to sparks what you then create is something that's uniquely yours and and then that and then the cycle continues because i think a lot of people watching the documentary will like um see the 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 seeds of like the bands that they liked afterwards and which ones go back to spark some of them more obviously than others. And I, I just think that's a fascinating thing because, you know, like there's obviously when you bring together a lot of uh, like influences, but also your own life experience, it's just al alchemy and, and no two flavors are the same. Like it's just, that's the great thing about uh, how a style forms, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think that I, I would love to know what those 80 songs were, particularly <laughs> the ones that don't, that, that, that were the curveballs. <laughs> I'll tell you one song that I thought, of course, because it was one of my favorite songs as well. When I looked at the playlist and it had the intro and the outro by the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, I was like, I, I knew we'd be friends. <laughs> 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 I, 
Yeah, that's that's a deal breaker if you don't. Oh know yeah, all of that's that. that's like one of those things. Like a sort of uh, if 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 so, you know, that's like a relationship breaker upper. If somebody doesn't like the the intro the outro by the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. <laughs> Here, dear, listen to this. <laughs> well, we're we're pretty much running out of time. I'm really grateful to you guys for doing this. Uh, the film is out in theaters on June 18th. Hopefully, it's exciting that people can go see it in a theater, right? That's thrilling. yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. Many times during the process, you all weren't sure that that would be the case, but this is great. It's excited to get people's responses, and and thank you all so much for for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening to the No Film School podcast. You can check out the Sparks Brothers. It is in theaters on June 18th. And thank you to the Sparks Brothers and Edgar Wright for coming on, Ron and Russell, uh, as well as Edgar. It was really fun to have them. Thanks for listening. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, like, rate, and subscribe. Let us know what you think. Check out the movie, of course. Head over to nofilmschool.com. Read about our gear guides. Scroll down the bottom of the page or look over on the right side of the page and you'll see gear guides where you can buy all kinds of gear we've done all the prep for you we've researched what's out there we've picked what's best for who and why and where and all that good stuff thanks so much for listening